Welcome to the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by Brain Fuel. Brain Fuel is a cerebral beverage that helps you find your flow state, enhance mental focus, and cognitive endurance. Elevate the brain and the body. To get yours, visit brainfuel.com, B-R-E-I-N, fuel.com, and enter the code LIFO15 at checkout for your 15% off discount, L-I-F-O-1-5, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office podcast, powered by Brain Fuel, here with my co-host and Fred Clare and our distinguished guest and Derek Hall, President and CEO of the Arizona Diamondbacks. But really excited to have Derek on for episode 300 here. Got to give a shout out to Joe Walsh, longtime listener, soon to be guest. I know you're listening, Joe. We will have you on at some point. Um, we will get you on the mic. But uh, Derek's got an incredible career journey and um, started uh, a little bit back uh, in Dodger Town, uh, working with Fred. And so got to make that connection. Really excited to have you on, Derek. Oh, glad to be here. And it's always good to reconnect uh, with you, Jake. But, but especially Fred, uh, you know, we, we do have that history together. And, and I watched Fred and I learned so much from Fred. He was, of course, a, a, such a great executive and general manager, well-respected around the league, like, like I've never seen. I mean, if he picked up the phone and called you, you answered. And so many of us within the front office learned so much from Fred. And I, I was like a sponge. The more I could be around him, uh, the better. And, and I credit a lot of, of the success that we've had in this organization to what I learned from Fred Clare. Derek, I really um, appreciate that. And uh, I'm so proud of you and Amy and your family and what you've done. And um, when I first talked to Jake about a podcast life in the front office, and I'm not saying this because you're here, you would be the example of what can happen uh, for one who is willing to work, to take any job, to start any place, to get the best education, and to build every day and to build uh, relationships with people. And so I'm very proud of you, uh, Derek, in terms of um, what you've done, uh, and uh, how you have led the uh, Diamondbacks um, on and, of course, off the field. So it's, um, it's great to reconnect um, with you, and we'll try to offer some thoughts between the three of us in terms of giving guidance to young people uh, who want to get into sports, just as each of us had the dream and um, have made that dream uh, come true. So Derek, I know that you're doing some... Um, Exciting things um, in the way of the presentation of the uh, of the Diamondbacks and um, uh, the thoughts that you and Major League Baseball have had and have come together with to um, use the uniform to exemplify what your team stands for and how it ties in with the community and with the culture. So tell us a little bit about what's uh, taking place there. You bet. Yeah, Nike has had a lot of success with this City Connect concept. They, they uh, performed well with the NBA. Uh, we saw it here launched uh, this past season in Phoenix with the, the Suns, and they've had a, a tremendous amount of success on the court. And uh, there was a lot of anticipation for baseball taking on this initiative as well. We were one of the first teams they called because I think they, they knew that we were going to raise our hand enthusiastically and say, we'll try out. We're still such a young franchise, only been around since 1998. So you don't have that, that long history and, and the tradition of a uniform where you're afraid to make any changes whatsoever like we had in L.A. Uh, so we were naturally uh, willing to. 
it was a great collaborative effort working with the, the executives in Nike. They, they came out first, they listened, they tried to understand the landscape of where we live and, and try and understand what we tried, uh, wanted to connect with, what we were attempting to connect with when it comes to the city and our fans. And such a large segment of our population and fan base is, is Latino. And when we're approaching 40 to 50% of our population and there's such a, a large part of our fan base here in the seats, uh, any, any home game you're at, we thought it'd be nice to have uh, a Latino connection as well. And so we thought we would look for a word uh, in Spanish. I, I uh, fooled around with a lot of different words and, and the word serpientes really stuck uh, because of the, the translation into snake and Nike embraced it as well. And so we went through a lot of different color palettes. We wanted it to look very youthful if we could and, and it has really taken off. Um, I mean, guys, if you saw this when we, we uh, first announced it last Friday and we had some of the items here in the team shop and they just flew off the shelf. In fact, we played the Dodgers this weekend and uh, so many other fans were here. They too were going in and buying our Serpientes hats and jerseys and it's been a big success. When the players like wearing them, the current players, when the uh, former players that you use in your promotion like a Luis Gonzalez thinks it has a great look and feel as well. And when your fans do, you know you've done something right. And I, I really credit Nike for their design and, and, and for the amount of listening they did. Derek, well, congratulations to all, Derek, and particularly um, in tying um, the community together with the team. You, you know, in the history of the Dodgers, as you well know, it was uh, Laurel O'Malley when the Dodgers came to Los Angeles. One of, one of the highest priorities for him was to get the team, uh, to get the front office and get the players connected with the community. And, and you worked in that uh, area, but that was so critically important. And I remember uh, Mr. O'Malley, because Walter was always Mr. to me, uh, wanting, he wanted the executives to go to Disneyland. He wanted them to understand how Disney, uh, a state-of-the-art company, was, was, was doing this and, and what that meant. And so, in a way, this is a continuation. The, the, our world is changing. We need to uh, embrace uh, in, in the best way that we can with the community, with our fans. Yeah, it's funny you say that, Fred. In fact, we have what we call our President's Council, and it's our Employees of the Month, along with a few of our uh, higher executives, our, our uh, VP level. And each year we would go on a trip, and I always took them to Disneyland. And, and I don't even think I knew that story about, about Walter O'Malley. And the whole point was to go to the mecca of customer service, cleanliness, friendliness, and, and watch and observe. And I talked about how if you drop popcorn out of nowhere, some little guy in a whole white suit is going to sweep it up and they're gone. And I preach that over and over here. And that's really what we want to create. Uh, very similar. And in a season like this, where we're playing just so awfully, um, you know, we're, we're just having a dreadful season. We have to make sure that fans still have a great time here. They want to come back. And it really comes down to that experience. And it's everything from cleanliness to safety, to parking, to uh, affordability. Um, we know you're not going to win every game anyways, obviously at home. So your fans are going to come here and experience a loss. How do they leave and say, I can't wait to go back? And that's up to us. Those are the things we can control off the field. And I, and I think I did learn all that from you all and from the O'Malley's. Derek, from, from a perspective of creating a tradition, right? You, you started off having some, being someone who grew up in, in Scottsdale and understanding the, you know, the purple and teal to then kind of the, the red and, and the sand, you know, color uh, from a Sonoran perspective. 
and then making that transition even just recently in, in 2019, 2020 to some of the new uniforms. Um, how do you go about creating a tradition with something like this? And, and so it's not just a, a, you know, one release, one season and done, and you kind of are able to continue it past this. Yeah, that's a great question. And we have to be careful because, you know, you're asking fans to buy these jerseys and wear them and they want to be able to wear them each year where they're not irrelevant all of a sudden. And, you know, for us, we had a lot of pressure from major league baseball for, for quite a few years to consider changing from the purple. Um, there was no red in our, our division. We already had purple with the Rockies. The purple never quite looked right on TV. It looked more blue. Uh, and they actually came out, Major League Baseball, and their, their creative department, and they put on a presentation for us. And they showed us the Sedona uh, Mountains and the, the, the red sunsets and, and sunrises here. And they really wanted us to go towards that red color, which to me made sense because the Cardinal football team was red. The Sun Devils had a, a form of red at ASU. Uh, the Coyotes were a former red. So there was a lot of red in, in this market, yet not in baseball in our division. And so we were willing to make that change to a, a color that we've created called Sedona Red and Sonoran Sand is our, our sort of tan color. We've kept that going. Um, the abandonment from the purple upset a lot of our fans. Uh, and, and, you know, they were so used to that from its infancy. I knew we had to win. And the year that we changed in 07 to the red, we actually won the division that year and went on to the playoffs. So there was more of an acceptance and an embrace for the new uniform. So that's been good. We did take a step, I think, in the wrong direction, uh, but you take chances, you, you allow people to, to take risks, and if you make a mistake, learn from it. But a couple of years ago, I think we went, we went too far. And, you know, we went with a gray color on the road that was really dark, like you would see in a lot of college um, situations and a lot of teams are using there at the collegiate level. We went with a more futuristic shoulder and, and back of the calf, thinking we would attract more young fans to our uniforms. I think it backfired. It was too much. And we, we quickly simplified it and went back. But I think too many changes is not a good thing. We want to get to a look and feel where, where we can create that, uh, that stability and that tradition uh, for the long haul. Derek, that's a very honest uh, perspective. And uh, very frankly, although um, I don't follow the game in the closest matter these days, I have kind of the same impression. But the important thing here is that you alluded to it, that you acknowledged. And, and I think that that's what is, um, is so fortunate uh, in, in having your type of, uh, of leadership. And you also uh, came on with us today. Uh, there are uh, some executives who would have said, you know what, my schedule has changed because you've gone through a, a rough schedule, <laughs> although you had a breakthrough last night. But that's so important, Derek, that, uh, to be there, to be there, and to be there when times are toughest. And in my Dodger days, that's why I always wanted to go on with Al Downing on Sunday and was more interested during the times when we were having a difficulty, when we were losing. The fans have the right to hear, and, uh, and I know you've learned that along the way. I have. That's another thing I learned from you. And I've, I've often said to our baseball staff and, and our general manager, you know, when things are tough, take a step back and, and I'll get out there. I'll get in front. And I have a weekly radio show. And, you know, we're all responsible for the outcome and for the results. It's, uh, it's not fair to place it on the manager. It's not fair to place it on the general manager. We all made decisions together. I certainly gave approval of who we were going to sign. Now, injuries are injuries, but, but you know, you have to get over those. And you, you don't lose 
17 in a row just because of injuries. You don't lose uh, a record setting 23 games straight on the road because you've had some injuries. Uh, you know, something is going desperately wrong and, and we have to correct it, but we can. And the beautiful thing about baseball, nobody knows better than you, Fred, is that you, you can turn it around. And, you know, whether you call it a rebuild, I think nowadays it's so much quicker to, to flip that roster. And, and if you have the right prospects and we've rebuilt our farm system to, to do so, you can rebuild and it can take two, three years and you're back on top. Uh, but we just have to admit that we made mistakes and too often I think we fall in love with, with our players, but I'm always going to defend them. Uh, you did a great job of that. Tommy did a great job of that. You have to defend the players and put yourself out there. When things aren't going well, answer the questions, be accountable and admit mistakes. Derek, I um, kind of reviewed your career with the Dodgers and I believe you correct me that your first year was 1992. Is that correct? Yeah, 92 in Vero Beach, Florida. And I'll never forget, Fred, I, I was working at Dodger Town. And when uh, the opening came up for assistant PR director, publicity director, uh, I was interviewed by you and Peter and we, Peter O'Malley. And we were in his bungalow and it was a spring game. I think it was Chown Ho Park's first game. <laughs> and he had that little round transistor radio and he he would ask me a question and he'd turn the radio up and listen. And after the first or second question, I looked at you and Fred, you, you gave me a wink and said, keep going, you're okay. You're okay. <laughs> well, the um, 92, uh, it's good that you have that memory, uh, Derek, because in many ways, if my memory is right, it's the one year I would really like to forget. It was the toughest year of all of my years as the Dodger general manager. But I, I know you will find this, uh, Gary. I also think it was one that's somewhat trite of the greatest learning years that I ever experienced. You have to understand, you have to look back, you have to evaluate in terms of what, what happened here, what went wrong, and how do we learn from it. It's pretty basic, but it's so um, critically important. and. Uh, and we did just that. And uh, from that season, uh, certainly move forward. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's such a funny game, as you know. We don't have control over injuries. We don't have control over bad luck. It, it seemed like uh, during this last streak, we were, we were barreling up the ball. We were hitting it, but right at someone. You know? And then a game like last night, same balls were hit, but they're, they're finding the holes. And you're, you're scoring runs, and it just takes you know, all the pressure off these guys' shoulders. They look like they were having fun again, but that's, that's something that you, you have to, to remember. I mean, it's, it's a funny game. And, uh, you know, as I said, you, you, you can learn from your mistakes. You can, you can fix those and repair those mistakes as best you can, and things can turn quickly. Derek, uh, talk a little bit about your career from the standpoint that, as you say, you started as an intern, Vero Beach, your time with the Dodgers, and then also um, uh, leaving baseball for a while and uh, working for a, um, a major home builder, what you learned there, uh, kind of a reflection on that process that might be helpful to, um, to people who have that hope and have that dream of uh, making the progress to, um, to have a successful career. Well, great, great question. And, and those of us that are in the game or in sports, it's because we love it. We have a passion for it. And I was determined to, to get to get into baseball. And I grew up, you know, a Dodger fan in LA. It was my dream to work for the Dodgers and, and uh, to work alongside you. And when I was in Vero Beach, um, 
it was probably the greatest learning lesson for me. Uh, I got to do everything at the minor league level for the Vero Beach Dodgers there in the Florida State League. And, and so to get your teeth cut, and I don't think enough people do this, I was able to, you know, I had to pull the, the tarp when it rained. I had to stock the shelves in the, in the concession stand. I knew every, every single fan by name. I, you know, I'm doing the lucky stamp for winners in the program. Um, but for me, it was a, such a great, you know, learning, learning um, situation for me. And, and then to have the opportunity to go to, to L.A., and I think especially in publicity, where um, to help shape the message and to be able to work so well with the front office and with the players, and, and you did it as well, um, to, to be able to bridge those two and make sure there's not a feeling of us versus them. And I know that was important to you. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was great. And to have been elevated ultimately to senior vice president there of communications, I believe may have been one of the first vice president jobs in that in communications. Now it's very common throughout baseball, but there were so many ownership changes, Fred. I, I was just I was exhausted after about the third one and had a headhunter come and ask me if I'd be interested in, in going to work for a major home builder. And I thought, eh, I don't know, it doesn't sound like me, but uh, I thought I would give it a shot. And I, I did. And I had also stepped away one other time to um, be in the media where I had a, you know, the morning radio show and I got to do some weekend anchoring on NBC um, there doing sports anchoring. And, and that was a blast. But again, in both situations, I couldn't wait to get back to the team. I just, I, I missed it. You missed the competition each and every night. You know, my emotions are up and down with, depending on how we play and if we win and we lose. And, you know, the, the, we always say the food tastes a little better and the, the pillow feels better when you win. It's so true. But when you're away from it, it, it hurts. But I, even in that, the experience with the home builder, I found that so much that we learned in sports and in baseball applied and we actually had a leg up they were amazed what i was able to teach them a fortune 500 company um you know eight billion in revenue and here i was from you know the the dodgers teaching them how we should really really handle media and how we should treat partners and and how we should be transparent and honest and and what integrity was all about i i think we learned that at the uh, the big league level especially in la derek what you know, you always learn something from every experience and you can always take one thing from every leader. What's one thing that you were able to take from that KB Holmes experience and then bring to then your experience back on the team side? Yeah, you know, Jake, what I saw there was um, it was a very large company. And, and I, I took away, again, how important culture is, keeping that large company together, making sure that even though you had divisions all over the country and you had presidents, uh, for each of those divisions, you had to feel like one company and keep them keep them together. Uh, so it wasn't just getting together twice a year at big convention style settings. It was making sure that the communication was there, and they really leaned on us for that internal communication. But but culture is key. It's very difficult to have a, a an award winning culture when you're spread out all over the the world, um, and and we're like that. And so I was able to take that thought, and when I came here to the Diamondbacks, make sure that I could. Um, implement some of those strategies so that our, our folks in the Dominican still feel like part of the family, that our scouts all over the country and all over the world feel like they're part of the family. It's, it's too easy for us just to focus on the two or 300 people that are here in Phoenix rather than, you know, the other 500 people that are so important worldwide. And one, and one would argue you're then focusing on the thousands and thousands of fans from a culture yeah. perspective as well and, and creating a culture for the fans as kind of part of this you know, connection, right, with, with, with the uniform and so on. How do you try and speak to each individual fan, in a sense, to make them feel like they're part of the family? 
Well, we've got a theory here and it's one fan at a time. So we answer every single phone call, voicemail, text. We don't leave them unanswered. Uh, we have to earn every fan here. It's not as if it's uh, Chicago or New York where your marketing essentially is putting out the pocket schedule and opening your gate for your home games. Um, you know, it's tough to draw two to three million fans here. So we have to make sure we, 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 we attract one fan at a time and retain them. So it's very important that I provide the access to them and they know they can reach out to me. I answer every single email and text. Uh, we've, we've developed that relationship. And it's also about, again, controlling what you can, knowing that we could have a season like this one, which is such a dud. Um, they have to feel proud about the organization, what we do in the community. We give back more to the community here in Phoenix and Arizona than all of the other local sports teams combined. We're at 75 million that we've given back to this community since our inception. And we're, you know, only 21 years old, if you look at it that way, 23 years old. Um, so, it comes down to that experience that we provide, comes down to what we do in the community, and it comes down to that, that culture here in the workplace. And it's been a challenge. I know that all 30 teams are going through what we are. After the pandemic, when you have to furlough people, we've never furloughed anybody. When you have to fire people and, and eliminate jobs, we had to do that when we had such a wonderful family feel. And it's now taking time. And you're also away for a year and a half with people working from home, getting them to come back here, convincing them it's going to be the same, turn the page, we're back it's not that easy. And now to be playing like this and ask your, your employees to keep a smile on their face each and every day, it's tough. And then I would take it one extra step here, Jake, and say, it's not just our employees here who we ask to treat our fans better than anyone in sports. They're not the ones that are tearing the ticket or pouring the soda. It's our game day staff that are here each and every day. And when they're handing bobbleheads out in 115 degree weather in the middle of summer, and we're in a losing streak like we are, how do they keep a smile on their face? And we created Fotsy, find a way to say yes, they have that button on their on their shirt. Every one of them says Fozzie, except for security. And that's really our approach. Make sure that we connect with our fans in a very unique way and that, that we find a way to say yes and give them the best possible experience. You'd like yeah. security to be able to say yes, but I, I know that there's some wiggle room there that you need. Um, Fred, I, I'll, I got one more question before I throw it back to you to wrap us up. Uh, you know, I think, Derek, from the perspective of being able to you know, mentally kind of prepare for each and every day, right? No matter what's going to be thrown at you. How has that evolved for you uh, throughout your career? And, and especially kind of through the ups and downs. And then you have, you know, initiatives like this, where it provides an extra little spark uh, and something different. Yeah, there, there's so much going on, Jake, that, you know, we get, we get excited. If you love what you're doing, you know, they say you'll never work a day in your life. There are days where, um, you know, there, there's tougher days than, than others. And this has been, a, as you know, a really tough season. And, and I feel awful for, for our employees. I feel awful for our fans. I feel awful for my family, you know, and, and, and my, my kids who are grown up and adult now. I want them to be, be proud of this team. But, again, I get excited each and every day. Even when we're, we're playing like this, you, you wake up and you have another game that night. You know, I can't wait for 640 tonight, that first pitch. I can't wait for spring training next year. You have so many different initiatives going on, whether it's it's bills down at the legislature, legislature that are important to us, or it was when I got to build our spring training facility, which we believe is the best in the game. Um, it, it's getting excited about watching box scores and seeing these kids that are performing at the low, lower levels, knowing they're going to be a part of this roster and this, and this uh, ball club for a long time to come. That's what keeps you going. I mean, there's so many positive thoughts. And I always tell our staff and our employees, give yourself a pinch, you know, smell the roses and realize 
you're doing something that thousands want to do. We are so lucky to be doing what we do. It's a, it's a kid's game and it's a beautiful thing. And this is the family sport. I, you know, I'm not knocking football or basketball or hockey or anything else. This is where you can sit with your family and friends, talk between pitches, talk between innings. It, it is, it is a wonderful, th I get chills when I think about baseball. It's been so important to me and a big part of my family and, and our lives. Gary, uh, it's great to see your um, continued passion. And we'll end, I think uh, we and I would be remiss if we didn't uh, touch on a subject that has hit uh, so many lives, uh, your life, uh, my life, and so many others, and uh, hit close to home uh, for you um, uh, this season. And that's the battle against cancer. And uh, it was great to look and see the work that you're, you're doing with your foundation that's related to prostate uh, cancer and uh, how, uh, how you have dealt with that and how uh, important it is for all of us to do everything that we uh, possibly can in this battle that, um, that does affect uh, each and every one of us in so many ways. Yeah, thanks, Fred. Well, you're, you're an inspiration. And, uh, you know, my wife, Amy, had triple negative breast cancer. We're still fighting that each and every day. She's doing great. And unfortunately, as you know, our, our general manager, Mike Hayes, and uh, he took a physical leave to be with his wife. I'm so glad he did. We've encouraged him to do so. And, and she's battling brain cancer. And it's a, it's a tough diagnosis. But uh, it, it is something that we all have to try and fight. And we all know someone who's been affected by it. We all have been impacted by it one way or another. And we're going to continue to do all we can to drive awareness and educate folks and, and do what we can to, to help research. And, and um, early detection is the key. So everybody should stay up on their health. Derek, we will join you on that fight as teammates uh, once again and, um, and look forward to um, uh, doing what we uh, can together collectively uh, to, uh, to fight cancer. And uh, our thanks to you, Derek, for uh, taking the time to be with us today. Thank you, Fred. Jay, keep up the great work. Always good to see you. And Fred, thank you for everything. You've always been a, a good friend, a mentor, and uh, I absolutely love you. And it's great to see you. Thanks, Derek. Same to you. Thanks, Derek. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by BrainFuel. Remember, you can get 15% off your next purchase at brainfuel.com, B-R-E-I-N, fuel.com, with the code LIFO15, L-I-F-O-1-5 at checkout. And if you like BrainFuel, give us a shout out, comment, share, and leave a review. And a reminder to get your copy of LOL, Loss of Logo, What's Your Next Move? Our new book written by Andy Dolich and your host, Jake Hirschman. If you go to mascotbooks.com and enter the code LIFO, L-I-F-O, you'll receive 50% off at your checkout or available on Amazon, ebook, and print.